Carry the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. No, I'm Richard. excited. It's Richard. Today. Richard. Yes. Oh, well, that's right. You told me. I'm so sorry. That's a habit. That's a force <laughs> of habit. I should have just said, I should have said on Urban Family Talk, Sherry V's over in Studio CC. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, it's when my mind is racing with a bunch of different things and uh, I go to autopilot. Hey, Richard, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, anyways, you matter, Richard, okay? Just don't say that. All right, you're important, okay, buddy? Just calm down, calm, please. No, he's calm cool. Calm down. All right, um, you just never know. People are easily triggered these days, okay? Um, I don't want them to send me a strongly worded email. I'm going to write a memo to her, you know, um, because that's hate. Um, anyways, so <laughs> welcome to the show. We've been talking um, all last week, Sola Scriptura, and talking about that the word of God is totally sufficient. And we went through like a list of topics that, you know, we really think that if you kind of take a step back and because of what is happening in our country, mm-hmm. what is happening in our culture and what seeks to infiltrate the church, we have to have a return to the word of God and understand that all of our engagement can be filtered through that word, like yes. all of our engagement. I I, you know, I haven't found anyone who's been able to convince me that I need to use extra biblical sources to engage the culture. I just haven't I haven't found anyone to make me think differently on that. And, you know, I I'd like to say I'm open to it, but I'm really not like I'm really not like I'm not. And I know that's you know, it's nice if I say that. Right. But that would that would I wouldn't be honest. I wouldn't be completely honest. I'm not open to bring in any other sources to the conversation when we talk about what God requires of us to live. Mm -hmm. I'm not open to bringing any other sources. Like, I mean, you know, there are other people who have found some hope in other sources, but I just really believe that the, I, I, I I think the word's enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not, nothing is going to measure up uh, to what we have in the word of God. I don't think so. Well, I agree with you. I, man, I, and other things may you know, be good. It may be profitable. Right? There may be some great information. Sure. But, you know, there's nothing that's going to measure up to the word of God. No. And I, I don't I feel know how we devalued it so much. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm, that's why I'd follow you anywhere. I really would. <laughs> Except into like a swarm of mosquitoes. I'd be like, no, chief. No, chief. I'll be over here. <laughs> like, but other than that, I'm pretty sure that wherever the Lord leads you, I'm willing to follow. Um but so I'm, I'm, I'm excited that today will kind of be a continuation of that. I was reading an article in the AFA Journal. In fact, it's the cover feature for the AFA Journal for the month of July. And um, it's Pastors to Patriots. It's written by father, husband, pastor, um, Matthew White. He, mm-hmm. he also is staff writer for the AFA Journal. Right. And I was just so struck by what I was reading Um that I thought, wow, you know, because we have been asserting that, you know, as a Christian, our engagement is, 
you know, fueled because of what we understand about the word of God. It's mm. not that we shrink back from our engagement and say, well, I'm a Christian. I can't get involved in that. Right. But the things that we do get involved in that we should get involved in, we are involved because of the word of God. Right? right. It's not something that you have to say, well, I'm going to go against the scriptures and I'm I'm getting in. No, there's a certain responsibility that we have. And I, I thought that the. Into um, what was called the black robed regiment and um, uh, regiment. And we're, we'll talk about that um in the second segment, possibly third segment, see if we can get around to some phone calls. But I thought it was timely um, as we approach 244 years um, for the, the birth of our country mm-hmm. in which, you know, that used to be that used to be a big celebration. Like everybody was able to celebrate, you know, yeah. the 4th of July, you know, <laughs> um, big Independence Day celebrations. I mean, I know that Will Smith had movies that would come out every (laughs) summer around this time. You know, it was a big deal. Everybody got involved. Nobody was triggered. It was Big Willie Weekend, right? I mean, Will Smith had a a (laughs) movie that would come out every year around the 4th of July. It was like it went they went through so many different titles. It was no longer Independence. It was like Independence Day. Like it just kept getting bigger and bigger, you know? And so I. But now we're in a place where if you're celebrating the 4th of July, you probably are a racist. (laughs) Like, think about that. Yeah. If you're celebrating the 4th of July, you probably. (laughs) I'm sorry. Just a second. Um, Because I didn't plan to say that. That some of the stuff is just so off the cuff that it just tickles me. Um, But if you're celebrating the 4th of July, you probably hate yourself or other people. Man, I'm kind of curious. That's that's where we are. That's how far we've fallen. I'm curious to see how this how it will be handled, like like just on the media, like, you know, uh, because the field is (laughs) way different uh, from any other time, you know. And look, I I don't have a problem. And I'm, I'm just thinking about like Juneteenth. I think. That's something to be celebrated. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm wondering mm-hmm. how the 4th of July mm-hmm. will be celebrated in light of, you know, all the things that are happening in our in our country. Well, you know, if I had to if I had to um, just guess based on what we've already seen covered in the news, we know that our news media largely determines what matters. Right. They determine what's important. Mm-hmm. So. I'm I'm not expecting to see these huge celebrations or the discussions of these huge celebrations. I'm not expecting. And and some of that um, can be cloaked under COVID. You know what I mean? So they're not <laughs> yeah, these large right. gatherings. They're not parades. They're not big outdoor cookouts. You know, people need to, you know, I don't know if they still say shelter in place or whatever, but certainly <laughs> things are different. So some of that they're going to be able to hide under the guise of, of all of that. But I really think that what we would see would be a suppression of the celebration of this country because it's going, it, it is seen as the enemy. This country is the enemy. It's amazing. People won't leave it. Um, but it's still seen as the enemy, right? right? Like they're, they're here. I mean, there are offers from other countries for people to come, um, you know, be expats and come here, you know, and people are like, nah, we're just going to mess this one up. Like they just want to, they just want to stay here. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that with Matthew talk about his article, but one of the things I wanted to talk about with you, Will the Great, before mm-hmm. we had Matthew on was your your understanding of just at, at least as, as far as you can tell, how do you think the church has had a weaker stance in culture than 
what would have been typical of the early church. And and I'll give you an example as to yeah. where I'm going with this. Okay. You know, um, we've been working through the book of Acts with, with our kids and yes. everything. And, and um, we, we see that Paul is constantly talking about his rights as a Roman citizen, even, right. you know, more so than I think we have mentioned. I mean, he's talking to his rights. It's not just when he is pleading his case, but it's 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 as the Lord is leading him as he's traveling. Whenever his rights are trampled, he places that. And there's a there's a, a line that um, that comes from the Apostle Paul that I think shows a strength that would be unfamiliar to pastors and leaders today. Mm. Not not all pastors and leaders, but mm-hmm. some. Mm-hmm. And this is when Paul is in Philippi. Mm-hmm. And you remember Paul and Silas are imprisoned, right? Yes. And they're praying and singing praises and right. they've been beaten. And, you know, this this miraculous occurrence takes place where where they are is shaken and mm-hmm. their bonds are, um, you know, unfastened. And, and, and basically they yeah. could leave, but they do not. Right. We know that the Philippian jailer comes to faith. But there's something interesting that happens um, following all of that. Mm-hmm. After the Philippian jailer is saved, you know, his family as well. Um, which that's a whole other message. But in this is Acts chapter 17, verses uh, 35, maybe through 39. Uh, and the Bible reads this way. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. Talking about Paul and Silas, right? Mm-hmm. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, and, and this is so, and I want to get your comments on this. Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, mm. uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. Here we go again. This is the privilege that he has, right? right? And he doesn't ignore it. And then he goes on, he says, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? Mm-hmm. No, Paul says, no, mm-hmm. let them come themselves and take us out. Right. And I think about that boldness where it's like, I know what my rights are. I know what's at stake. I know how the name of Jesus Christ could be blasphemed if it looks like I'm a wrongdoer. Mm-hmm. You guys have violated my rights. Now you're going to just let us go quietly? No, come out, really. Mm-hmm. And it basically looks like a public pardon. Right. They haven't done anything that was deserving of what they suffered. How is the church and the leadership in the church different from, say, this type of example? Yeah, I think, you know, that that example shows me number one that Paul, you know, and those guys they knew their rights, so they knew exactly, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they not only did they know them, but they were willing to to stand up and say, "Hey, this is not the yeah. way that things are, should should be done." And I I wonder when you ask that question about the backbone of pastoral leadership today, like would we be willing to say, "Hey, you know, that's that's some rights that we do have as." you know, uh, uh, citizens in, in America and, mm-hmm. and given those rights, man, I don't, I, I'm not going along with that or, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I, I wonder about that. I, I wonder about that for us, the general public as well. I, I think that we have a people now that are more uh, easily swayed and say that, well, we, they say we should do this. So we're going to go ahead and do this without even giving a second thought to maybe rights being stripped away or anything like that. And I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, mm-hmm. what we see here is not is is that Paul and Silas and, and they knew exactly, you know, what it stood for as uh, being being citizens. And they used that. And I, and I think I, I look at that and, that and that that was very strategic, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and, and I think, too, there is a certain um, there's an aspect to this that the gospel is at stake, because when when you talk about, you know, suffering um, as a wrongdoer or suffering, even when you're doing what's right, you know, mm-hmm. like this is for the glory of God. And so you, I look at this and, and you see the result of it, that right. the Bible says the police. Um, they came and they apologized to them. Yeah. Right. They yeah. brought them out and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and they apologized to them mm-hmm. and then they took them out and, and they said to them, leave the city. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, please, please stop. You know, I mean, please, please go away. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering if there are any things like mm-hmm. even in our conversations currently mm-hmm. where, you know, we have the type of leadership where people are willing to stand up. And willing to say, you know, oh, and and now you want us to just go away quietly? Right. No. Right. You know, I mean, what is what is our come yeah. and take us out moment? See, like, and, what is that? And I don't know. I know there are some places right now. I was talking. was talking with a uh, coworker that where they are. You know, the churches still ha- are can't really meet unless it's like fifty people or less or whatever. You know, those type mm-hmm. of things. So when does a pastor say, "Hold on, wait a minute"? Like this is <laughs> you've gone way beyond you know, what you are uh, empowered to do and take mm-hmm. a stand and say, no, we're, we're, we're going to meet or we're going to like when when does like what is the point uh, that you have to come to to where you begin to push back and say, uh, you know, hold on, you know. See, I I think that the I think that might be one of those times, Will. And I want to be very I, careful because I don't I do want to incite people. But I think that, you know, you have to understand the type of persecution that the early church suffered in the second and third century, right? Um, That type of persecution was driven by a change in the cultural mindset toward Christians, Mm -hmm. right? That Christians were doing things that they were weird. Um, The Christians were doing things that they found to be um, a threat to the way they lived. They upset social order with Mm -hmm. their practices. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were seen as hateful for being faithful, Right. right. Early right. Christians were seen as hateful for being right. faithful. And so you didn't see Christians changing the standard that God had called them to live by. Rather, you saw them suffering for upholding that standard. Mm. And I wonder if that's the moment that we're in in our country where it's like we have to be prepared to suffer for upholding the mm-hmm. standard of God, because it doesn't look like anyone is going to be changing anything in our favor right. anytime soon. Right. And so that's where strength comes in. That's that's where the rubber meets the road. All right. We got to grab the break. When we come back on the other side, we've got Matthew White and we're going to talk about pastors to patriots. Um, Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And as uh, Mercy Me, even if. Richard is over in Studio CC. <laughs> and Matthew White is in studio with Will the Great. And yes. we're going to talk about um, his cover article. Um, the, I guess you call it like the feature article. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the July issue of the AFA Journal. And as I was reading it. 
I was like, oh, Will, you got to read this. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to read this. It, it, it's amazing because as you kind of work your way through, I just heard echoes of some of the same encouragements that we've been issuing today for the body of Christ to yeah. return to the sufficiency of Scripture. But not just to stop at reading the scriptures, but to apply the scriptures, because this is what it looks like to have a biblical worldview, right? Mm-hmm. That we take the scriptures out with us as we engage. Um, Matthew, I know that you are obviously, well, I say it's obvious. People don't know. they It's not obvious. So I'll just tell them you are a <laughs> husband and a father and a pastor and also a writer. And so I know all of these things kind of, I guess, kind of work together to a certain extent to help you filter what you're going to write about and what you're going to talk about, those things that you're passionate about. And so I'm wondering for this particular article, Pastors to Patriots, what was sort of the driving force or what was the thing that stirred you to write this? And then we'll get into talking about kind of an overview of the article. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on your program today. Um, I guess what, uh, led me in this direction is, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I have to say, you know, we have a storyboard and we kind of uh, pick and choose. Uh, to some degree, we have, um, you know, uh, some, we can choose what we write about. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was one of, uh, this was on uh, the storyboard. And uh, I'm uh, also a veteran, uh, served our country, and I oh, really have you. a deep love um, for our, our country. And, um, you know, the, the godly heritage that we have and the freedoms that we enjoy here in this country. And so uh, when I saw that this was an option to write about, I just, um, I felt it was something that I uh, really would love to, uh, to tackle. And so mm-hmm. um, Mr. Randall gave me the opportunity to do so. Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't know that you were a veteran as well. I mean, this yeah, is perfect. I, I, I can see um, even <laughs> in the angle and the, the way that you wove this in with the pastors who um, also were serving in the military and not seeing any contradiction in that, I can see how that flows nicely together. So give our listeners sort of like a thumbnail sketch of this article. Um, you know, what is it that they're going to read as they get into this? Sure. Um, I was privileged to interview uh, Mr. David Barton. Uh, probably many of the listeners will know mm-hmm. uh, who he is, being affiliated with the FA the way he is. Um, <clears throat> but I was privileged to interview him, and we just talked about um, – the instrumental role that pastors played uh, during the revolutionary period and uh, how they spoke to all of the issues that were, you know, that were going on in those days. And, um, you know, they had a, they had a voice and uh, the, you know, their relationship with the government is uh, so completely different than what the pastors and governmental relationships are today. The government actually um, depended on the pastors to mm. relay information uh, to the to the uh, to the people in those days, and they didn't try to suppress the truth. They actually encouraged it. Um, and so the pastors just they just spoke out. They spoke out on all of the issues. It didn't matter uh, what the issues of the day were. Uh, the pastors used their voice. They spoke to their congregation about it, and the congregation listened. And ultimately, that was pivotal in, um, you know, in the independence that we fought for and won. Wow. Man, I mean, that's just, we are, <laughs> we're, we're such a different makeup yeah. of people yeah. today, yeah. Matthew. Like, we're just, we're, we're just not the same type of people. And, and I mean that in several different ways. I don't mean, you know, people who are 
necessarily ready to take up arms physically and go out into battle. No, you know, for many of us, it would be a leap to kind of get to that point, right? <laughs> but I think that we're different mentally. I, I mm -hmm. think that we are not engaged with information in a way that yeah. we understand the implications of what's going on. So I think that even for the pastors who are diligent, who are standing up and talking about the spiritual battle that we're in or talking yeah. about what is at stake in America, I think it's not falling on deaf ears. It's just falling on ears that are not in tune. And it, and it seems that I just want to say it seems that when, when, as we get further away from like those uh, people mm -hmm. that the it's almost like the meaning of what it took to secure freedoms mm -hmm. is, is watered down more and more. It's almost like I always said, like older cars are built better than the ones today <laughs> they can take a beating you know and still you know it's it's like as time goes on you you lose the message and it seems wow. like that's kind of kind of is what what's happening today that a lot of people don't even understand or know uh this history and so it, it's kind of just let to let to die almost you know yeah what are your thoughts on that matthew yeah i agree um <laughs> we need abe in here because i i don't know all of the uh, founding fathers <laughs> quotes, but I, it was one of the, our founding fathers that said that, uh, you know, essentially our uh, our liberty is predicated on an informed or an educated mm -hmm. um, public mm -hmm. yeah. uh, or citizenry, and I think that's what we're lacking. We're yeah. lacking um, uh, a citizenry that knows our history. I mean, you look at some of the uh, statistics, um, you know, you read about whether or not they know even what our First Amendment rights are, mm -hmm. uh, the rights that we do have um, uh, as Americans, uh, and, and they don't know that. They don't know where we came from. They don't know the price that was paid to secure the freedoms that we have as citizens of this country, and when you don't know uh, where you came from and what was, what was um, given, what was sacrificed, uh, it's just it it kind of cheapens it yeah. and uh, you sort of take it for granted. And I think that's where we are. And what mm -hmm. sticks out to me is the role of the church that in all of this, mm -hmm. you know, and the relationship between the church and government and how it seemed like there was a high respect for <laughs> clergymen and church mm -hmm. in, in the church, you know, almost like a, a, a prophetic voice that would be able to speak and say, hey, you know, this is where we need to, to go. But today you have the opposite like it's almost like no respect in in a sense yeah you know and I, I think that there can be no daylight between how we train our kids in the scriptures and how we make connections that are logical like there are connections that just make sense so like mm. for us um, I know that th that you guys are a homeschooling family we're a homeschooling family as well as we are studying through the book of Acts and we repeatedly come across the Apostle Paul talking about his rights he's talking about mm -hmm. his rights as a Roman citizen so you get to this one point where it you just you cannot deny that this begs for us to talk about what your rights are as an American citizen like you you have to talk about that because you realize that you know, the Apostle Paul had to be taught this. He had to be taught what his rights were. And that came in handy, which I think, you know, is an understatement. That came in handy when you talked about the proliferation of the gospel. So I think you're right. We do have people who don't know as much as people who lived before us once did. And I would say it's also not valued as much as it once was. It's just something that we've always known and we, we've taken it for granted. But I want to turn our focus back to the pulpit because there is great responsibility, I think, that is laid on the pulpit, if you will, 
Um, and that's kind of pointed out in this article. Can we talk about the black robe regiment? Talk about um, these men who, you know, preaching sermons, then, you know, take off their robes and, and they've, they've got their uniforms on and they are ready to fight. Like, how do we conceptualize that today? Uh, you mean like in a comparison of what we would call uh, those those uh, that black robe regiment today? Yeah, like what would that? Well, first of all, paint a picture of what it was like then, um, and then also, I guess, draw a parallel to what that would look like today. Sure. Okay. Well, <clears throat> the British, when they, um, you know, obviously didn't want us to do, to have the independence that we were so desperately, um, uh, you know, seeking and willing to fight and die for, uh, when they. When they looked at um, you know our, our fledgling new nation, uh, they they looked at the the clergy and mm-hmm. and they understood they knew. Uh, in fact, they said that um, uh, you know one of the uh, uh, primary forces that's going to have to be reckoned with is that black regiment. They were talking mm-hmm. about the pastors in that day because they knew that the pastors were going to be you know disseminating all of the information and the pastors <laughs> were going to be activating their congregation to get out there and and get to work in fighting for um, independence. And so, um, you know, to draw a parallel to what our uh, pastor's responsibility is today, uh, I would say, you know, it's the same. Our our pastors have a responsibility to um, inform their congregations of, uh, you know, what's on the line, Uh, Mm -hmm. what is it that we stand to lose, and then, uh, you know, what can they do uh, you know, to do something about it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me that I think some of the conversations that we spend our time having um, revolve around the level of involvement that the church is supposed to have. You know, this this idea of that separation of church and state meant that those who attend church are not supposed to know what's going on with the state, nor are they supposed to have an opinion, nor is it supposed to matter to them. It's like we just hunk, hunker down under the steeple but that was something totally different um, at the time of the revolution. And it's interesting because you write in this article that the ministers of the revolution were not afraid to speak to the issues of the day. They were mm-hmm. not afraid to speak to the issues of the day. And then you quote David Barton in the article, and this is his quote. Um, when you look at the sermons of those days, whatever was in the headlines of the news is what they preached about. So if they were tackling, and as, as is pointed out in this article, again, David Barton continues, issues of science. There were sermons on that, on eclipses, on planets, on snow, on vapor. Every single topic that would affect the church or affect their congregants' understanding of who God is, pastors preached on it. Um, why, why would that not be the same position that pastors would take today? Yeah, um... Well, I've, <laughs> I've got a lot of comments I could make there. Um, that I think so many pastors today um, either either don't know or I, I certainly can't say they don't know because most of them are educated. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they just ignore what their um, scriptural responsibility is to speak to the issues of the day. And it's so easy for uh, today's pastors to, you know, to get caught up in all of the other things that pull at them, um, you know, the, the desire to, uh, to grow a, a church and have, a, you know, preach at a mega church and um, to, mm-hmm. to, to be somebody, to be famous, to be popular. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and all of the all of the programs and all of the uh, you know just the things that, that that they get involved in. It's so easy to be distracted from the pastor's primary purpose um, with all of those other things that tug at them. And the primary yeah, you know, purpose, of course, outlined in Scripture, mm-hmm. I mean, time and time and time again, um, is that a pastor's primary job is to preach the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. And and I, I would say, and you guys both can jump in here and, and, and give me your take on this, I would say that if a pastor is doing that, then there are going to be things that attack the authority of the scriptures Mm -hmm. that attack Christians, that if you are preaching the word of God, that you would have to do great contortions to ignore. There are just things that are going to come up. I mean, when you think about um, Paul's letters to the church, like he's dealing with what they are dealing with. Right. right? Right. And out of that, we get our doctrine for how we are to live and how we are to engage. But the scriptures do not ignore the sinfulness of man. The scriptures do not ignore what's happening in the world outside of the church and Mm -hmm. how that threatens the church. And so I would imagine that preaching the word of God would require that there's some issues happening outside of the four walls of the church that we have to address. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, And, uh, you know, certainly I can't speak for other pastors and the way they approach um, their study and their um, their preaching through the word, whether it be topical or expository. But um, I I preach expository. I preach um, preaching through a book of the Bible um, right now. And, (laughs) you know, the, the advantage to that is, is that it forces you um, yes. <laughs> to, to dig into some issues that you might be tempted otherwise uh, to, to sort of, um, you know, be a little bit hesitant to, to, to talk about. But uh, the Word of God does address all of the issues uh, pertaining to life and to godliness. And, and it's amazing mm-hmm. how uh, even though I preach um, expository, I don't preach topically necessary, it's always amazing to me. I mean, it, it always amazes me how <laughs> divine God is and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the things that I'm preaching through lines up with what's going on in society. And I can always pull in uh, what's happening outside of the church, uh, you know, pull it into the message in some way. It's just amazing how that works, mm-hmm. but that's just the power of the word of God. Amen. Amen. You know, something that was surprising mm-hmm. to me to read in this article that you wrote, Matthew, was Um, just the understanding that pastors had and how important it was for them to address issues that were going on. And even 13 years before the Declaration Mm. of Independence um, was written, that pastors had been preaching the issues that shaped this document, that this had been something that was common to the hearing of parishioners, right? And so that their understanding was almost ready for this Declaration of Independence based on their understanding of the word of God, like how do we make sense? How do we understand that today? Yeah. Uh, the, the pastors had prepared them for that. I think, wow. um, you know, uh, that, that faithful preaching of the word of God, uh, faithfully, uh, telling them what their rights are as, as, as human beings, um, prepared them for what their rights should be in a nation that would be a, a free nation. Man, I just, you know, there's there's something about the moment that we're in now where we, you know, there's several things I think that we have to do among those things is take personal responsibility for the the salt and the light that is the church, right? And when I say that, I mean the capital C. I don't mean the building, but I mean we, the people of God, 
that we are salt and light. And on the other side of this break, I want to refer to the uh, quote that you have here from uh, Charles Finney and talking about the responsibility of the pulpit and see if that doesn't stir some of our, our listeners. Uh, Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio, our guest, Matthew White, will take a break and we'll be right back. Could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own, beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I am Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham with Living Hope. I want to let our listeners know that you can go to afajournal.org, afajournal.org. If you are interested in getting a subscription to the AFA Journal, you can start there. I recommend um, getting a subscription, obviously. (laughs) Um, But I would also like to say that uh, try to get your hands on this July issue, July 2020, um, Pastors on the Front Lines. I I really feel like there is sort of a... um, there's a spiritual call to arms. The responsibility of the pastor is the protection of the sheep as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's not, it's not neat, right? It's not easy. It's very taxing. Um, but man, it's desperately needed right now. It yeah. is, it is desperately needed um, that you look out and you see the sheep just kind of wandering about um, being tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine. I mean, mm-hmm. everything that comes along, they're thinking, Oh, maybe this, yeah. Oh, maybe this is better. You know, or maybe this is good. And and I just want to encourage pastors that, man, you know, the people of God need you. It is it is yeah. a calling. Right. And and we know that it's not it's not something you inherit. <laughs> <laughs> not supposed oh, I'm to. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was going to say unless you did. And then you're kind of like, I don't even want to be here. Then that's different. That's probably a different show. We bring on somebody else to talk about that. Although Pastor Matthew White is here. He could counsel on the spot. Matthew, answer that question. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like he's like, I didn't bring that notebook with me today. I, well, only... I can make some comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Matthew, if you if you'd like. Um, but there there is a great responsibility yeah. in the pulpit, right? It is. It absolutely is. Yes. Uh, All right. So, I. Oh no. Go ahead. Were you? No. Were go you ahead. Go continue? ahead. That's fine. Well, let me say this. I was going to say to the the uh, point you're making before the break about um, how does it look today and why why maybe it's not happening. You know that uh, pastors may not speak on certain issues. I think some of it has to do with what the Bible talks about fear of man. You know, proving to be a snare. I think mm. sometimes there's a, a, a hesitancy because I might lose some people from coming to my church or, you know, maybe, I, you know, it would just cause more problems within my congregation here, you know, to speak on these things. But, man, you know, I think that's where the boldness of, of the Lord has to come in where, you know, you don't dodge it because it's uncomfortable, you know. And like Matt was saying, if you if you are preaching expository, you you're more forced to 
have to deal with those things, you know. Uh, but if, even if uh, you're preaching topical, I think, you know, just to have that boldness to say, man, these are issues that we need to talk about uh, and in, in the church and, and not let the fear of man be a snare, you know, to yes. where you're not even speaking on uh, important issues. Yes. Matthew, I want to let you follow up on, on, on Will's comments. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I agree completely. Um, it's, it's a vital importance. Um, and, you know, we look at um, Paul uh, in Acts chapter uh, 20 and verse 27, where he's meeting with the uh, Ephesian elders. He said, I've not shunned to declare unto you uh, mm. all the counsel mm. of God or the whole counsel of the word of God. So uh, he didn't leave anything out. And um, I'm afraid that uh, uh, so many pastors are leaving things out today. They're not teaching. They're not discipling. And, um, and, and that's become evident. We see that now. Uh, we see the fruits of that now in society. We see um, people who've been brought up in church, but then they're uh, you know, they, they can be so easily led astray. They can be carried about by, uh, you know, by any and everything because they don't even know what they believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, uh, you know, the blame could be placed to a certain degree on the, on the pastors for that. But, of course, um, that really goes back to the home. But um, I, I know we're talking about pastors here. But, yes, they, <laughs> do, have a, um, they do have a huge responsibility. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that, though, because I'm, I want to read another excerpt from your article here. And then I, my plan was to ask you if what um, the late Charles Finney said was too heavy a burden to lay on the pulpit. So I, but I want to read this to our audience so that we're all on the same page. And then because I hear you allude to the responsibility of the home, and, and I would agree with that. Um, but I, I'm wondering if the point that Charles Finney um, made is is a point that we should you know i guess apply some some weight to and so this is the quote here and just for the sake of our listeners uh charles finney who was known as the father of modern revivalism um he made these comments and 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 listen i'm going to quote him at length here brethren our preacher our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits if immorality prevails in the land the fault is ours in a great degree If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discernment or moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. He goes on, let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of this nation, end quote. Is that too great a responsibility to lay on the pulpit? What, what do you think, Matthew? <clears throat> well, it is a great responsibility, uh, but the the responsibility of being a pastor and uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in and of itself is a great responsibility. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, John Owen. Are you familiar with him? Uh, Puritan. Um, anyway, he's a Puritan. The name sounds familiar. Yeah, a Puritan um, preacher, a Puritan pastor. And um, he he preached a sermon, uh, uh, a sermon that I would encourage people to read, an ordination sermon entitled The Duty of a Pastor. And while I might not agree with everything he said, at the close of his sermon, he, he said this. He said, who is sufficient 
for these things. And he was talking about the duties that we have as pastors. Who is sufficient for these things? And he said, pray, pray for us, and God strengthen us and our brother who's been called this day to the work. Um, so really without the grace of God, none of us would, you know, would be able to, uh, to even do this work. So it is a huge responsibility, and it's one that we should take serious. And it does take um, prayer from our congregation and uh, for all believers to, to pray for us and lift us up that we might do this work that we've been called to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I'm, I want to go back to uh, something that you said just before I, I read this quote from from Charles Finney here. You, you talked about the role and the responsibility of the home. And of course, um, anybody who's familiar with this program would be familiar with how seriously Will the Great and I take that, that we believe that, yes, the church, we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ have a responsibility. Of course, pastors have a responsibility, what is preached from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really is one one time, maybe two times a week. Um, what's happening the rest of the week matters as well. And so yeah, can you time. spend a few minutes just talking about the responsibility <laughs> of the home in tandem with the responsibility of the pulpit? Sure. Yeah. I, I think they go um, hand in hand. I mean, our our um, pastors are responsible to uh, to feed and nourish the flock. But then, of course, there's the responsibility um, that takes place at home as well. And somewhere along the way, that um, that got lost uh, in, in the busyness of of life and extracurricular activities and all of those things that that was lost in this concept of uh, of discipling our children. Um, I don't know where <laughs> where that went wrong, but uh, you know, after the uh, Reformation, those th- they thought it was so important to disciple their children that they had all of these uh, catechisms, and that's not you know, catechism is not some strange word, but a lot of people wouldn't even right. know uh, in the church wouldn't even know what a catechism is, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, following the Reformation, uh, Luther and. Um, uh, there was a Baptist catechism, the Westminster, the mm-hmm. Heidelberg. I mean, there were there were numerous catechisms, and the sole purpose of those was to teach and instruct the family as to, uh, you know, why they believed what they believed, and to stand ready to be able to give a defense for their uh, for their faith and their beliefs. And um, somewhere along the way, that's that's been lost, and we mm-hmm. need uh, we need to follow what the Lord says to. Uh, teach our children, teach these things diligently to them and, and, and talk about them when we sit down, when we walk and lie down and, and rise up and all of these different things. We need to be teaching our children. We have to teach our children um, because the world's not going to teach them, not the things that we want them to know. They're going to teach mm-hmm. them, but, but, but not, not the things of God. Yeah, no, I, I, I was just want to say I think that uh, a big shift took place, you know, in how our educational system mm. was formed and that in the sense of it taking away from, you know, um, the children being in the home uh, and even the way that this country was industrialized, you know, it's almost like you need yes. to have, you know, two people, the two parents working to mm-hmm. where you can't have, you know, the mother at home or whatever, however you have it set up, you know? So it seemed like there's been a lot of advancements in America, but, it's kind of been to the detriment of some of the family structure things that that need to take place in 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 the homes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting though because I I was thinking even as as Matthew was talking about um you know catechizing our kids and you know I, there are um, some of our church fathers, if you will, whose mm-hmm. moms 
educated them at home and mm-hmm. catechized them at home. But I can't help but wonder if their drive to do that originated from the pulpit. Like if they were preached to, if you will, the importance of their role mm-hmm. as moms and as dads. So in a sense, I almost feel like it kind of does come back to the pulpit. Like even the responsibility that we have at That's home, true. we do learn that from the word of God, but right. our training and our instruction, I mean, you know, Timothy is instructed to preach the word. Titus is instructed to preach the word. And so again, there is this responsibility that comes back to church. It doesn't stop there. Right. It, you know, it's supposed to expand. It's supposed to be a part of our daily lives. But I mean, the people are supposed to hear the truth. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. And that's why I say, I think they go, uh, I think they go hand in hand. I think the, the pastor instructs the the congregation mm-hmm. um you know as to what they are to do how they are to be faithful uh, in all areas of life um and of course that includes how they are to be faithful in their home life which um of course involves discipling our children you know i, I just we're running out of time here but i'm i'm wondering with all of the different roles that you play in our country or have played you know um, as a pastor, as a veteran, uh, as a husband, uh, as a father, what bothers you most about what you see happening in our country today? And, and maybe that's hard to say what bothers you most. Maybe I should <laughs> should ask, what are some of the things that really um, are concerning to you? Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a tough one to narrow in on. Yeah. I, I would say um, just right off the top of my head, um, the, the willingness of, uh, of parents just to um, abdicate their responsibilities to nurture and, and raise up their children um, in the admonition and the ways of the Lord, um, that, that's one. That, that, that one is really a big one, as well as uh, how easy it is for believers uh, in the church. You know, we're talking about believers who've been in the church most of their lives uh, to be led astray. Um, you know, we see this in the Southern Baptist Convention and all of the things um, that are going on there, these crazy um, resolutions and things that people mm-hmm. are voting for. Believers, these people who are voting for these things, that they should be able to discern that, that these things are not of the Lord, mm-hmm. um, yet they vote them in. And so uh, that one, that one gripes me. Um, <laughs> so th- those are a couple just to... Um, just a few there. You know, one of the things that I've said before, and, and I think at this point it, it's it's worth repeating, if parents are not careful and discerning, right, and, and with all that's going on around us, it seems that we will look back and it will be true that we have, you know, largely footed the bill to raise our enemies, that mm. we are raising those people right now. They're sitting at your table. Hmm. Um, I, I joke about it. I say they're eating your bacon. They're eating your grits. And they're <laughs> already turning their hearts against you because we're not discerning and we're not training them in righteousness. And so what they are subjected to on a daily basis would be competing views, competing yeah. ideas. And so when we get to the point where we see that younger generation, quote unquote, living and operating in rebellion against their parents, it isn't something that just happened today, so to Mm -hmm. speak, but it's been going on for years right under the nose of parents who were too busy to whatever, right? Too busy to care, too busy to notice, too busy to invest. 
but a world that is in rebellion against God that can find so much more time than you can hmm. to invest, to care, to dis- best to care, to disciple, to train. Um, I think we can do better. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you. All right, we're out of time. Um, We'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then. God bless.